Hey everybody, welcome to Tellers of the Untold, I'm Vanessa. And this week in Happy Black History Month and Happy Snow Day, if you had snow like we did here in Chicago. But today for this episode, um, I interviewed a pastor and asked him information regarding the importance of the black church. Also a little bit about what the Bible says regarding slavery. And here's a snippet of this interview. Make sure you guys check us out on tellersontold.com. Also check out our new cross word cross black black history word search puzzle on Amazon. Go to tellersontold.com and then click on shop and you'll get some cool things that you'll see there. But without further ado, here is the interview. Hope you guys enjoy and see you guys next week. Take your name, uh, the name of the church too, the denomination, and then like how long you've been a pastor and so forth. A little bit of background about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm Donald Sharp, pastor of the Faith Tabernacle Baptist Church, 8210 South Cornell, southeast side of Chicago. I'm a native Chicagoan, born here. I grew up here and not too far from where I grew up, and so I'm a Southsider. I'm the organizing pastor of this church, and we were organizing in uh, 1964, so I've been pastoring for that many years. So what made you want to become a pastor? I grew up in the church. And so the church was just about all my life. Uh, I grew up at the St. Luke Missionary Baptist Church at 36 in Indiana. And so my grandfather was a deacon there. My, my paternal grandfather was a deacon there. And so the church was all my life. And my, one of my role models was my pastor, the late uh, Dr. S.A. Grayson, whose uh, daughter-in-law was a young lady by the name of Ruth Jones, who we began to know her as a, oh God, I'm doing a blank on it, uh, Dinah Washington. <laughs> so th- the church was my life. So it was, no, it was no surprise when I announced that I felt like my calling to be a minister and then later on my calling to be a pastor. So why is the black church so significant in the black community going from history till even now? The black church for us in the diaspora became synonymous to us as the synagogue became to the Jews. The synagogue and the Jewish uh, diaspora, uh, since they could no longer go to the temple for worship, so you had the creation of the synagogue. And the synagogue was more than just a place of worship, but it was the institution of learning and where the scriptures were taught and they would gather and have discussions. So the black church, in many respects, became our repository of our emerging culture of who we were as black people in America. And it gave birth to many things, uh, gospel music, uh, gave birth to even the blues, and gave birth to our style of preaching. So it, it, it was also, the black church was community. There was a community, there was family, and there was a black church. And they all kind of <clears throat> run simultaneously. Do you know much about, like, during slavery time, how the church was? Yeah. 
the black church or yeah 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 well it's ironic that uh slaves would be taken to the white churches and made to sit in the balcony but on their own they began to have what's called brush arbor meetings or they would go off somewhere have their own type of worship which was different from the the, the slave masters worship and and of course for them the bible took on a different meaning as they read it as opposed to what they heard in the white churches so Moses, uh, instead of uh, freeing Israelites, Moses became an a emancipator. Uh, for, and so when we hear songs, go down Moses, tell old Pharaoh to let my people go, you know. So we were able to extrapolate from the scriptures that they heard in the white churches, but then apply it to our situation and as, 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 as blacks and as slaves, our ancestors were able to do that and pass it on. So hymns have always been an important thing in the church alone, but how important is it from slavery time until now? Tell me kind of a little bit about the history of just hymns and and uh, and Well, of course, realizing that it was against the law for slaves to read, so we had no hymnals to read as the whites did, and so we were able to. Uh, come up with songs on our own and pass it on. And so uh, you didn't need hymnals. And the hymnals became more than just songs we sang, but they became some of our testimonies, you know, that uh, out of our own ethos, out of our own pathos, that, that the hymnals took on a different meaning. And again, we have the, the spirituals and the, and the gospel, particularly the spirituals. And so they took on a whole different meaning. And so being forbidden to read, so we develop our own music, we develop our own style, and much of it was still, remember now, not everything was lost, I feel like, I mean, not everything was lost in the, in, in the slave trans, uh, migration, that we retained some means, particularly music, and uh, we retained some of that and was able to Americanize it, shall we say, or change it to sit, suit our situation. So Chicago is known for its gospel music, um, and you being here from Chicago and also as a pastor, can you tell me a little bit about the history of gospel music from your vantage point? Well, of course, uh, choirs were very important in the life of the church, and the church I grew up in was just about four or five blocks from the Pilgrim Baptist Church. And that's where Reverend uh, Dr. Thomas Dorsey, who's the father of gospel music. And uh, I remember meeting him uh, on a couple of occasions, but nevertheless, it, it, it was that. And then my home church, St. Luke Baptist Church, uh, when my grandfather died, uh, this was in the 40s, I think it was. That was a lady, I remember her, asking who had died and Usher told her uh, who it was and she said, well you think they'll let me sing at the funeral because he lived across the street from me. They said, oh Haley, yeah they'll do that. That's Mahalia Jackson. So she lived in the community. She was a part of the community. So Mahalia Jackson again became uh, symbolizing of gospel music as we, as we knew it then. So what would you tell 
um, the next generation, your grandkids and other grandkids, about gospel music and about like Negro spirituals and hymns? This is who we are. And when it, I, I'm concerned about identity, and my concern is that if we diluted the gospel music to the extent that it no longer represents who we are, it takes away from our culture, it takes away from who we are, and we lose our identity. So I'm concerned about that. So um, do you think it's gotten better, worse, or the same as far as the black community in Chicago? Oh, there's no question about it. I've, I've never uh, experienced uh, the, the mayhem, uh, the, the carnage, if I want to call it that, that I've seen. But again, is, 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 is endematic of the breakdown of church, family, and community. And we're seeing that, and uh, it's, it's horrible. So who shapes the future of our black community? That is a very good question. Who shapes the future? It's incumbent upon those of us who are in positions of leadership to do the best we can to uh, pass on or to remind our children, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is what you are. In the church, we were taught to behave, we were taught certain cultural traditions, and when that no longer takes place, we, we, we're living in a vacuum. And, and any kind of vacuum, you're gonna have problems, and that's, and so it's incumbent upon, I feel like it's incumbent upon us as, as leaders to continue to tell the story through our sermons, continue for the church to be the symbol of hope, the church to become the symbol of who we are as black people in America. What's the demographics of your church currently? It's an older congregation. I would dare say the majority of our congregation are older and women. And what should the younger people know about, uh, or what should the younger people learn from people like your congregation, the older you know, women or older people um, in general? Seniors. These are your heroes and your sheroes. These are the people who, who, who've gone through difficulties. These are the people who know what it's like to have to go to drink from separate water fountains. These are the people who grew up, uh, and particularly some in the South, who had to go through the back door sitting in separate parts of the train. I grew up sitting, going down to Mississippi, and I didn't know there was a dining car on the train because my mother fixed me a uh, box lunch and I sat there and ate it. And I didn't know there was a dining car, but we were forbidden, forbidden to, to eat there. And so these are the heroes we, we must never forget. And I think we're, we're, we're failing to forget that, uh, uh, of where we've come from. And uh, Jews are taught never to forget the Holocaust. We must never forget where we've come from. So why is it so important for us as black people to know our history? 
if you don't know your history, if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. That's kind of cliche. How do we learn our history if it's not taught in school? And therein is the problem because of the fact that the school system in America has excluded us. You know, I think you might get a little blip about 16, 19 slaves were brought to America. And that's all you have. You may pick it up again, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, maybe mention George Washington Carver, you know, but what about Sojourner Truth, you know? Uh, what about her, you know? Uh, what about other? And so what we've done, what this educational system has done, has excluded black people from history and made us an appendage, you know, an afterthought. And so therefore, we're not seen very much as being contributors to this society. And this country is built on our, on our foreparents' backs. Um, do you have young people in your congregation? We have a few. Okay. We have a few. Um, and what, does your church do anything to, uh, within the community to help out with the, the black community in general? In the past, we had a food pantry, and uh, we we were very successful at that. But again, part of the problem was as the congregation became old, as the congregation became older, it was very hard to get volunteers to uh, to to man it. So we had to dismantle that. So, what can other churches do to help out with this community? I think there are other churches that are doing some things. Uh, some of the churches I know they're giving out food. Uh, but the old adage is that the, the old proverb, give a man a fish, you eat for a day. Teach him how to fish, you eat for the rest of his life. And what we're doing, I'm afraid, we're giving him a fish to eat for the day. But I'm not sure we're teaching him how to fish so he can live for the rest of their lives. And that's my concern that, you know, many of the churches are, are giving out volumes of, of, of food, but yet by the same token, I'm afraid we're not doing much more than that as insofar as instilling within our people a sense of who you are and what it means to be black in America and what are you going to do about it to change it. Last question is pertaining to the Bible. The Ku Klux Klan and other members just believe that you know the Bible is is the the, the place that's telling them that we as Black people are slaves and that we should be put in our place. And they're referring to the Bible. Slave and slavery is mentioned in the Bible, depending on which you know context you're using, um, way over a hundred times. Why is it being used? Why is that word slavery even in the Bible? And and tell me just a tad bit about in the Bible the history related to our people. Because there's miscon there, even on the news, like we had um, one of the celebrities getting fired from a network because he said us black people are the original Hebrews. Uh. People misinterpret the Bible. First of all, uh, there's one, there's two passages of scripture in the Old Testament. Uh, Noah and the curse of Ham. I don't have time to go into it in all its entirety, but supposedly Noah supposedly cursed his son, one of his sons named Ham, and that he would be servant to the other 
other brothers, and so they used and someone cursed him as being black, turning black. But that's kind of crazy. But anyway, they use that in the Old Testament as a context that we are the descendants of Ham.